Welcome to the Automotive Diagnostic Podcast. We're going to explore ways to sharpen our diagnostic skills, find learning resources, and hear from experts in the automotive field. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Automotive Diagnostic Podcast. My name is Sean Tipping. I'll be your host today. Thank you for joining me. Today, I have another case study to share with you. Uh, this one's a parasitic draw on a battery. Uh, it is on a 2011 Ford Edge, and this battery will go dead after uh, maybe a day or two of sitting. It's not always completely dead after one night of sitting, but uh, definitely drained, and after two days of sitting, it's completely drained. So I actually made a bad call on this one uh, initially, and it was because I was in a rush, 100% my fault. Um, I have no excuses about it, but I wanted to share this one with everybody anyways because, I don't know, I think it's important to share our failures along with our victories um, because I've mentioned it before, you know, obviously we all make mistakes and uh, tend to be doing that a lot lately. Um, but it is important to recognize why you made that mistake and try to learn in the future and hopefully hopefully not do the same thing. Although, uh, you know, when you're in the moment, you're under pressure, uh, sometimes you still make that same mistake and uh, eventually, hopefully you learn from it and hopefully I learn from it. But Either way, this was still interesting because we did eventually uh, make the right call and fix the vehicle. So um, once again, 2011 Ford Edge uh, with a parasitic draw. I was actually called in to this shop to program a rear view camera or maybe programs the wrong word um, to calibrate the camera with the BCM. And so they replaced the rear view camera for a couple of reasons on this vehicle. They had actually been chasing the parasitic draw on this edge since the spring of 2020. And so several months, the customer has been bringing it back and um, they, they haven't been able to nail this one down. And I actually came in earlier in the summer and programmed a BCM in this thing for them. I, they didn't tell me exactly why they were replacing this BCM, but as it turns out, it was in attempts to get rid of this parasitic draw. So we do have a new BCM, at least it's only a few months old. And the next thing that they're replacing in attempts to fix this draw was the rear view camera, the backup camera. And the reason why is because the camera would intermittently drop in or out as far as what you see on the screen. And so at some point or another on the infotainment screen, it would just say no camera available, see dealer. Okay. So they were thinking that maybe this camera issue had something to do with the parasitic draw on the vehicle. Kind of a stretch, but that's what they were going with. And the customer was upset with their camera not working properly. So they put a new one in there and they had me come to calibrate it, um, which is just a few button clicks within IDS when you're connected to the BCM because the BCM talks to the camera over a LIN bus. And then the camera sends its signal from on actual signal lines to the infotainment screen so you can see what's going on behind you. So I do this calibration. I'm talking to him about everything that's going on and 
they mention this draw that is present on this vehicle and what they're trying to fix. Of course, they wanted to fix the camera issue too, but they were kind of hoping this would all be solved with the camera. Well, as it turns out, the camera did not fix this draw, nor did the BCM that they replaced earlier in the summer. So we still have a draw. And I I checked it. I just have a little inductive amp clamp that I uh, clamped around the negative battery cable. And the technician had measured the draw. And he said it was about a two amp draw on this thing. And so I quick measured it and it actually did have a two amp draw. So this is where it was kind of weird. And I understand why the shop was having some difficulty figuring out where this draw was coming from. This was not a constant two amp draw. This was an intermittent two amp draw. Now it was consistent enough where it would always happen, but it would almost pulse two amps for maybe 30 to 45 seconds, and then the two amps would go away. The two amp draw would disappear. And sometimes it would disappear for 30 seconds and then come back. And sometimes it would go away for five minutes and then come back. The intervals weren't really consistent, but by the end of this diagnosis, I had never experienced any more time than five minutes where this two amp draw would pop up and then it would go away. And it never lasted longer than about 45 seconds. Now, I should note something here because this is important to know if you're going to do parasitic draw testing on Ford vehicles, and this is true for a lot of vehicles, it takes a while for these vehicles to go completely to sleep. So what I mean by this is if I'm looking at this Ford Edge and there's no problem with it, let's say there's no parasitic draw, and I'm looking at the draw coming off the battery to the vehicle, this thing will actually stay at 200 milliamps of draw. So that would be uh, 0.2 amps for up to an hour or close to it, somewhere in the neighborhood of 40 minutes to an hour, it's going to have a 200 milliamp draw. Now this is completely normal. And if you are dealing with a very small drain on this system, you're going to have to wait this out. You're going to have to wait that hour with all the doors closed, the keys off. Uh, This is actually a push button start. So you got to make sure the key is out of the vehicle. Um, You know, what I do is I open the doors and then I flip the latches shut. So it thinks the doors are closed. Um, Just make sure everything's shut off and then you'd have to wait it out. Now, in my case, I'm aware of this. I'm aware that that 200 milliamp draw is going to be present for a while. And it was when that two amp draw that I'm looking at went away, we still had the 200 milliamp draw. I'm not so concerned about this. And it actually was to my advantage because I didn't have to sit there and wait an hour because this two amp draw would pop up every once in a while. And that's really what I'm chasing here because Again, this is a little hindsight, but I don't think that 200 milliamp draw of modules being awake, that's what that is, would ever have gone away because of the 2 amp draw. And we'll get to exactly why that is. I'll explain why that's happening. And maybe you already have an idea, but the 2 amp draw is what I'm after. And you only have to wait maybe a minute after you completely shut down the vehicle for it to... In, in a normal vehicle for it to not have a two amp draw. It should be fairly quickly. The 200 milliamp draw, that's going to stay there for a while. And if again, if you're looking at a smaller drain on the battery, uh, you're going to have to wait it out. In this case, I don't have to, but that's what I'm after. So 
I decide, okay, I'm going to figure out where this is coming from. Now, I really like an inductive amp clamp, um, just a handheld one, not anything connected to a scope. Um, There's like $50 on Amazon, the one I use. Um, It has a big clamp so you can get it around battery cables. I really like this for figuring out the direction I'm headed off of the battery. And so what I mean by that is... When this two amp draw occurs, and this was a little bit challenging at first because I didn't quite recognize the pattern um, and it, the intervals, the time intervals between the, the two amp pulse weren't exactly a rhythmic pattern. But again, it was consistent enough where if you waited at least five minutes, you would see it. But I want to know where is it going off of the battery. Okay. So imagine a battery and you have your negative and your positive terminal. Now you can measure amperage coming out of that battery on either side because amperage is going to be the same everywhere in the circuit. Um, You just have to flip the amp clamp around or (laughs) ignore the minus symbol on the screen. I think we're all pretty capable of doing that. I'm just looking for the number, but off of that battery, positive or negative, you have multiple cables in in most cases. It's not every single system ever, but this one does. Off of the negative, we have one thick cable, and I think there was a small, uh, smaller black cable that went to a body ground and one that went to an engine ground. Off of the positive cable, though, um, there's actually a fuse up there, and I think it had three different uh, cables that ran off of the positive cable. One went to an underhood fuse box, I believe. One went down to the engine, I'm assuming the starter, and one went to the interior of the vehicle. So here's what I want to do. I want to get an idea of what what direction am I going? Which cable is that two amps flowing through? Now, clipped around the big negative cable, I could see that obviously it was there. That didn't help me a whole lot. I didn't check the smaller body cable. But what I did do is I just clamped it around the three positive cables coming off of the positive terminal. And I was able to find the one that had the two amp draw on it. So that one actually led me to the interior of the vehicle. This red cable goes through the firewall and it goes to the body control module. Okay, so this is the main, it's a pretty thick cable, not as thick as a starter cable, but it's a a fairly large gauge wire, um, or maybe I should say cable, that goes into the BCM and it feeds power to the body control module, which is in the left-hand kick panel of this vehicle. Now, the body control module does a lot of things in this vehicle, like most body controllers, but it also serves as the interior fuse panel. So as you can imagine, like a lot of body control modules, like a fuse panel, it feeds a ton of other circuits. Now, the technician that had been looking at this car in the spring had come to the same determination that I just did, that the current that's being drawn is going to the BCM. And that's why they replaced it. Now, obviously that didn't fix it. And we've talked before about this Uh, on the podcast. I had a BMW and I had a Chrysler where the module that feeds power to everything, don't always assume that's at fault. It might just be doing that because it's being woken up because it's being told to do that by something else. And I already have this in my mind as we're going, but um, we've got a lot of different circuits that we feed here. Now, this is kind of where 
I went wrong because I was in a rush on this job. You know, I wasn't going into it expecting to do a diagnosis. It was the end of the day. I was just going to calibrate a camera for them. Um, but that's the way it goes a lot of the time. I'm in a shop and they want me to do something else or, you know, I program a module, doesn't fix it. Okay, let's dig into this. Um, but I was, I was in a rush because it was the end of the day. And, and again, I have no excuse for it. I just, I made a bad call here because I was not patient enough with the vehicle. But here's what. I was doing. Um, I was doing just a quick visual inspection inside the vehicle because obviously things like lights um, can can turn on and drain a battery. I'm, I'm trying to think in my head, what could be a two amp draw? I was thinking, you know, modules and networks coming awake, but I just want to do a quick visual and see, is there anything obvious or hear if there's anything obvious? Is there anything that I can hear in the interior of the vehicle? And luckily the shop was quiet enough uh, because it was towards the end of the day that I could, I could hear pretty well. And I'm watching my amp clamp around the cable that goes to the BCM. And I'm actually just listening and I hear a click when this happens. And I kind of follow the noise that I hear, this click that is in sync with the two amp draw from the battery. Well, it turns out it's coming from the instrument cluster. You can hear it. And if you watch the speedometer when this happens, it actually just twitches a little bit. It moves. Okay, sweet. Let's find the fuse to the instrument cluster. Let's pull that out and see if this draw goes away. So I pull the fuse for the instrument cluster and I wait and I wait and I don't see any draw. Obviously, the cluster is not going to be active if I cut the power to it, but I don't see the draw and I'm still clamped around that cable going to the BCM. So I tell them, get a cluster for it. We'll, we'll program it and we'll be good to go. Uh, you know, we'll see, we'll see you tomorrow. And so th that's where I went wrong here. And again, it's hindsight, of course, but <laughs> you got to take the time to really think about this. Um, the problem with this was the pulsing draw and the intermittent intervals between when this pulse would happen. And I did not wait long enough. I did not wait however many minutes I needed to. Maybe I waited two or three minutes and I didn't see that draw, and I saw the cluster moving, and I heard it. I'm like, okay, well, this is pretty much it. I, heck, I've replaced clusters in these things before, so I know they go bad, and that was it. I did no other testing on it, which really was a mistake here. I should have really thought about this before I made the call, but eh, that's what happens when I'm in a hurry, I guess. So um, he gets the cluster, I come back, and I program it, and of course, after I program the thing, it's doing the exact same thing. I didn't even have to hook up an amp clamp. I'm sitting there, you know, with the key off and stuff, and I see the needle move on this cluster. I'm like, oh, man, <laughs> bummer. You know, I obviously made the wrong call here. So now I got a backpedal, and cluster was expensive, and it's uh, uh, not a great feeling, not a great situation to be in. But uh, now I've got to regroup and really put some thought into this thing to try to figure out what the heck's going on. Cause obviously I didn't fix it with the cluster. Uh, that was a mistake by me. So now the two questions in my head, as I try to tackle this thing again and get it right on the second try is number one, why is this draw pulsing? You know, and I was kind of wondering that at first too, but now I'm really starting to think what's up with this pulsing draw and why is the cluster coming awake? Cause obviously something is affecting the cluster affected the old one affected the new one. Um, so I can kind of use that as a starting point and see, you know, obviously I know where the draw is going and I know that the cluster is being affected. So I have some things to build off here and 
I was kind of thinking about this, you know, before I made the bad call, but I didn't really investigate it. And I just kind of dismissed it once I saw that cluster moving and heard the cluster making the noise and didn't see a draw after I unplugged it, but that there could be uh, network activation. And so we've talked about this before. When we have network activation on a vehicle that's asleep, you're going to have multiple modules come awake that are going to activate and start drawing. And individually, these modules just coming awake draw pretty low amperage. But when you have an entire vehicle or entire network of modules coming awake because somebody on that network is talking, you can end up with what seems to be pretty commonly a two amp draw or somewhere in that neighborhood. I've seen this on multiple vehicle lines now where it ends up being a round a two amp draw when all the modules are awake, not necessarily doing anything. They're just awake and talking on the network. They are powered up. So I need to consider what network or networks my cluster is on because it's very possible something is waking up that cluster by talking on a network and i want to consider the overall network topology for this ford edge now ford actually does a really good job in service information and you can find this in all data mitchell identifix of providing you information on their networks i would say and maybe there's you know other manufacturers out there um, that do this as well. But I would say Ford gives some of the best, most detailed information on their uh, vehicle networks, um, how they're structured, you know, where the modules are located, where the terminating resistors are located. And it even breaks it down into messages that are sent between modules on the networks. I mean, really, really detailed stuff if you get into the service information. So at least I have this on my side, but Every you got to treat every vehicle, uh, you know, as its own unique thing because we want to ask ourselves, you know, what what is the what is the network setup, but also what modules are present on said vehicle. So I've got to figure this out, um, and I'm kind of using my cluster as my sender, um, my starting point because I know for sure it's coming awake. Odds are there's other things awake too, but I may not have any sort of uh, visual or audible confirmation from other modules it just so happens to be that the cluster twitches the uh, you know the speedometer and makes a little noise when it comes awake uh, when it gets talked to by something else on the network so what i'm going to do here and this actually might be a good point to uh, pause this podcast and take a look in the facebook group I'm going to post a picture of the network topology for this vehicle. And again, Ford does a nice job of summarizing the entire vehicle, not just one network, but all the networks into one picture. So I'm going to put that picture up in the Facebook group. And if you take a look at that as I'm describing this, it'll actually be quite a bit easier to understand what I'm talking about. But if you're not able to do that, um, I will do my best to describe what's going on with this vehicle network, or I should say networks. So there's actually three networks on this vehicle and more if you include LIN buses. I'm not including LIN buses right now. I'm including the main vehicle networks and they all happen to be CAN bus networks. So this is a two wire twisted pair. Uh, we've talked about CAN bus several times before, but there is a high speed CAN. There is a medium speed CAN. 
and there's an infotainment can. So the infotainment is stuff like your radio, screen. Um, there's actually a number of different modules on this info, infotainment can uh, in a loaded vehicle that has the uh, Ford Sync setup that's run by Microsoft and an APIM module. Um, there's actually a number of modules on that CAN bus as well. So we have three networks, all CAN bus. So again, check out that picture in the Facebook group if you want to get you know an overall view. My cluster is present on the high-speed CAN and the infotainment CAN. So what I want to do here is figure out which network is becoming active? Because obviously, I mean, logic would lead me to believe that one of those networks that is connected to the cluster has to be coming awake. Um, now, there are modules that can get a physical input. We talked about the window switch with the BMW. In the case of the cluster, it doesn't have anything like that because I looked at the diagram. And of course, there's a number of circuits going to the cluster, but most of its information is done over a network. So again, I'm, I'm thinking that this network must be coming awake, but which network is it? Is it the infotainment bus? Is it the uh, high-speed CAN? So what I do is, and Ford is pretty nice in this setup where you can access all of the networks, the actual circuits from the DLC. So I hook up my breakout box and I connect to the infotainment can and I wait and I see, and I'm looking at a scope here, of course, I see that when the two amp draw occurs, my infotainment can comes awake. But I want to check the high speed can as well, just to see what happens. So I check the high speed can, same thing. When the two amp draw occurs, the high speed can activates as well. So I have two networks that are awake. Um, so not exactly sure which direction to go here, but I want to do one more check since I'm right there connected to the DLC. I've also got the medium speed can, which also you can access the circuit right at the DLC. Really convenient uh, to be able to do that. So all I do is I move my scope lead over a couple spots on my breakout box and I connect to the medium speed can. Well, as it turns out, the medium speed can is active too during this two amp draw. So it confirms what I was thinking, but it doesn't really help me as far as direction because all three vehicle networks are active, which means on this particular vehicle, there's up to 29 modules possible on this vehicle with the options equipped on this particular Ford Edge. There are 25 possible modules. Okay, if you include all three buses, there are 25 possible modules on all, you know, all of these networks. And it actually includes three different gateway modules. And a gateway module is a module that is connected to multiple networks. Okay, We obviously know that the instrument cluster is connected to the infotainment and to the high speed. But we have the body control module, who is connected to the high speed and the medium speed. And we have the APM module, which is accessory protocol interface module. And this is basically one of the key players in the infotainment system. He's actually connected to every network, high speed, medium speed, and the infotainment. 
So we have a lot of interaction. Even though we have separate CAN networks, we have three modules that are going to be connected to multiple networks. Okay, so this is going to make things pretty interesting to try to narrow down where is this talking come from? Because it's got to be at least one of the modules on one of these networks. But where do I go? Where do I start with this thing? Um, it, it, it can be challenging. You know, what do I do? Find all 25 modules and unplug them one by one? I, I guess that would be an option, but that's pretty darn time consuming. I considered maybe finding my gateway modules and unplugging them um, one by one to try to identify you know, which network's talking first, because there's got to be a module that starts this. There's got to be somebody who begins the conversation and then the rest of the network become active. And there's probably not much of a delay between those two things happening, one module talking and the rest of them coming awake. But I'm considering here, before I start unplugging stuff, I'm considering that there has to be some delay, even if it's small, if I monitor all three networks at once. So I get three scope leads, and I put one to the infotainment can, and I put one to the high-speed can, and I put one to the medium-speed can, and I wait for this draw to come on. Of course, I've got the vehicle off this whole time. I wait for this two-amp draw to occur. I should be able to measure on my Pico which network talks first, okay? Again, there's got, there's got to be somebody coming awake saying something on one of these networks, and it's got to happen first, even if it's milliseconds before the rest of them talk, because can speed is pretty quick. Even a medium speed can, um, it, we've got electrical signals happening really, really fast. There's still going to be somebody who says something first. Somebody sends out that data packet to wake everybody else up and in turn, the rest of the networks. And my guess is, you know, again, on one of these networks, that message is being sent out and it goes to one or more of these gateway modules who in then in turn turn on, start talking and wake up the other networks. But there's got to be a start and one of them has to occur first. So again, I'm hooked up three channels on my scope, three different networks. I wait for it to happen. Of course, every time I had a test ready to go on this car, it would go almost an entire five minutes without having a draw. And then after I got my test results, then it seemed to happen all the time. That's just, it was, it was fighting with me in that manner. The waiting was kind of frustrating. If this was a consistent draw, this would have been a hundred times easier. But anyways, I wait for my two amp draw to pulse. And when that happens, I actually am able to measure that my medium speed can bus is the first one to activate. That's not by much, fractions of a second uh, between that and the other networks talking. Very, very, very small amount of time, but it is first and it is consistently the medium speed can that's talking first. So now what I can say is it is something on the medium speed can. If you check out the picture in the Facebook group, you can see what modules are present. I'll list them as we go here though, but I can see that this a module on the medium speed can that is talking first, causing the rest of the vehicle networks to be activated. So now I've reduced my modules from 25 modules 
down to eight modules by one simple test at the DLC. So I'm happy with this test. It provided me with a lot of information and it gives me a direction because now, uh, you know, eight modules is a much easier task uh, to, to figure out where it's coming from than 25. So now I take a look at the wiring diagram for uh, my medium speed can. And again, I got eight modules on there, but I want to reduce it even more. I want to eliminate some of these modules you know, off of uh, the, po- the list of possibilities. And how I'm going to do that is I'm going to find a connector somewhere in the circuit. And we've talked about this before um, with network testing. I want to find a connector in the circuit somewhere that will split the system. So if you imagine there's eight modules, I want to find a connector that's somewhere in the middle or relatively close to the middle that separates them. And then what I'll do is I'll monitor both sides of said connector and I'll see which one is talking. Because I would imagine that if it's not multiple modules, at least that only one side of the network will be talking and it will be the side of the network with my failed module or my module that's talking for some reason. That's my idea. So I look at the diagram and I find connector C219. And this connector is located in the passenger kick panel. Just pull the panel back and I can unplug this connector. And I did check this connector to make sure that it didn't have any power wires going through it that would kill a module. You do need to be careful of that if you're going to start disconnecting stuff. But I was all okay on this one. But it had my medium speed can lines and it actually separated the system pretty much right down the middle, four and four. So I will eliminate half the modules here. So I do that. I monitor both sides of the connector and I find that I'm headed towards the rear of the vehicle. Uh, So there was four modules under the dash. That's the HVAC, the APIM that we mentioned, uh, the remote function actuator, which works with the keyless entry. Um, And then the GPS module that was all pretty much under the dash or towards the front of the vehicle. And so I just eliminated those four because that side of the network was not talking. The other side of the network had activation. It had talking. Um, Now, you want to be careful if you're doing this with a single wire network that has a master uh, module that commands everyone else to talk. But on a CAN bus system, again, um, everybody is free to talk on a CAN bus system. Uh, Of course, there are situations where there's a serial data wake up and things like that that we want to consider. But in this case, if I'm just disconnecting these two CAN lines, And let's say I were to turn the vehicle on, I would see activity on both sides um, because all the modules provide a bias. All the modules are free to talk. So this test works really well in a CAN system. Be careful using this in other networks. You might run into some issues depending on what it is. So I find that my activity is coming towards the rear of the vehicle. So I've got four modules that I need to look at, Uh, one of which is the driver's seat module one of which is the liftgate module, the tire pressure monitoring module for TPMS, and the BCM. Now, I'm not thinking BCM because it's already been replaced and it didn't change the problem that they had, but I'll I'll keep that in mind. I'll probably make that the last one uh, to look at. I want to look at these other three modules. So now I've gone all the way down from 25 to three modules. I think I can probably either find these modules and unplug them or maybe pull a fuse and kill the power to them, uh, whatever's easiest. 
So the driver's seat module, very easy to access. I unplugged it, didn't change anything. I still have activity on that side of the network. Okay, down to two modules. Um, the liftgate module, I did not access because uh, it was a little bit more work, but the tire pressure control module, this thing is pretty easy to access. There's a panel on the driver's side right behind the C-pillar. You pull this panel back, the module is right there. So I find the module, and I unplug it, and my draw is gone. And I waited <laughs> quite a while this time. I waited at least, I think it was 30, 35 minutes, and I made sure there's no draw because I didn't want to make the same mistake that I made with a cluster of not waiting the appropriate amount of time to confirm that there is no draw. So the tire pressure monitoring module is who is talking on the medium speed can. He's the guy that is waking up saying something. And because the medium speed can is tied into both the APIM and the BCM, who are gateway modules, I don't know which one, but one of those modules is then deciding, okay, I'm going to wake up everybody else, including my instrument cluster. And so all three networks were active with talking from one module who just decided to, I'm going to wake up and start talking. I'm going to wake up and say something. Hey guys, what's up? I'm awake. Um, and then everybody else starts talking as well on these networks. And again, after a certain period of time, this would shut off, you know, 45 seconds or so it would shut off and then X amount of time would pass and then you wake back up and do it again. And I think because of this, you know, that quick two amp draw is draining the battery over time, but the entire vehicle does not go completely to sleep ever. Um, I mentioned it's like an hour wait on these forwards for that 200 milliamp for all the modules to completely go to sleep. Well, that probably never happened because this t this tire pressure monitoring module is continually waking everyone up, continually talking. So the last checks that I need to make are, is there anything else that's going to cause this tire pressure monitoring module to wake up? Is Are there any inputs? Is there anything happening where it's causing this module to wake up? Because we always want to ask ourselves that you know, is it the module's fault or is the module waking up for another reason because it's receiving some sort of input? Um, now, of course, this module is actually meant to receive the radio frequencies, not only from the tire pressure monitors, but from the uh, the key in this case, because this is a push button start. Um, and this is something that might be kind of hard to test, but from what I could see or from what I could check on the vehicle, I could not find anything uh, that was causing this module to come awake as far as sensors go or anything like that. Um, again, with the radio frequencies, a uh, little difficult to say 100% to prove it 100%. And I, I guess really the only test I did was I used a tool that I'll actually mention in or I, that I did mention in a tech tip earlier this week uh, that detects radio frequencies like a key fob being pressed or something like that and i held it near the module uh, to be 100 percent honest I, I don't know how effective a test this would be um, but i was looking for is there any radio frequencies causing this module to wake up um, because the only other things 
that this module has is power, ground, obviously it receives radio frequency, and then it has a single wire communication to the remote function actuator. And I did consider that as well. So I depinned that communications wire to the remote function actuator. Uh, that So the rest of the tire pressure monitor is still plugged in. Um, it still talked without that. Uh, so I knew it wasn't something else on that line waking it up. I don't see any radio frequency. So, so I told the shop to replace the tire pressure monitor and we'll uh, see what happens afterwards, but I'm pretty confident that's going to take care of it. And this was just a plug and play, um, plug it in. And luckily the component was cheap enough too. It was only about 70 bucks and the draw was gone. There's no more draw on this battery. So um, really interesting to find that pulsing draw. Um, obviously, I made a bad call on that one. I did offer to pay for the instrument cluster in this case because eh, it was my mistake and it's programmed, so I'm sure they can't return it now. So um, you live and learn, and uh, I definitely won't forget this one the next time I'm uh, digging into a parasitic draw. But these can be some of the more challenging uh, problems that we go after in the automotive world. So Hopefully you enjoyed that. Hopefully you learned something from that. I know I did, um, but that's all I've got for today. Other than that, let's get out there and start fixing the world one car at a time.